Hello, hello, and welcome to... Today is Hometown Dailies Season 2, Episode 202, for July 21st, 2023. It's a lot of twos. Tonight's episode is Informed Content. We've already selected all 12. I get... I start to sound like uh, we're off to the races. We've already selected our contestants tonight on the news game. Let's meet our contestants. Do I have a game Am show I a voice? Contestant? <laughs> yeah, we're all contestants or victims of the news. Um. Yeah, the, we've already got all 12 of our articles selected. Um, I There's one here that I already want for tomorrow that came in later than we were prepared for. <laughs> one of my favorite survival city builders. I already want that for tomorrow. It's already submitted for tomorrow. Oh, right on. Let me turn down the music. So, um, this informed uh content title is based off of an article most of the time i'm uh creating a, a title that's based off of the the uh, content um and this one is going to be interesting because i didn't think it was going to happen um but there was a side of me that did you know we'll get to it here in a minute but um let's just get into the the news i i want to ramble for a little bit but we're gonna we'll get right to it let's go uh, the very first article is over in the Wanted channel. It's um, this LiDAR-equipped 30-pound robot dog can be yours for $1,600. You want a robot dog? What do you say? Well, of course. If Boston Dynamics $75,000 robot dog spot is too rich for you, how about a stripped-down consumer version? Chinese robotics company Unitree's latest robot dog is the Unitree Go 2, which starts at an incredible $1,600. After shipping and duty fees and all that, it'll be more like $2,400. It's pretty expensive. That's shipping a high markup. Duty. Duty fees. <laughs> duty. Um, but that's all a bargain compared to the industrial, to an industrial robot. Yeah, $75,000 versus $2,400. I'll go with the $2,400, depending on what it is. I haven't actually I mean, seen it. does it bark or does it meow? Um, yes. I guess it can be programmed to do anything, really. You just have to be interested in programming it to do it. Um, it says here, some... Uh, Sometimes it's hard to tell if these upstart robotic companies are serious and have real products to sell. So let's go over to Ars Technica. They're the producer of this piece of um, reporting. Ron Amadeo is the author. Uh, the deck statement says it's not quite as good as a Boston Dynamics bot, but it's a lot cheaper. The theory is, right, the that uh, you get what you pay for. The thing about this, <laughs> it's so annoying, but I guess, I don't know. Scientifically, we stand on the shoulders of giants, but commercially, cloning somebody else's freaking product makes me redline. 
This looks a lot like the Boston Dynamics one, other than the color. Uh, sometimes it's hard to tell if these upstart robotics companies are serious and have a real product to sell, but we want to stress that this is not Unitree's first robot dog. This is the company's third generation consumer product, along with two models of beefier industrial robots that compete with Boston Dynamics. I don't know which came first, the Unitree or the Boston Dynamic. I don't know, I'd have to look, but anyway it's a smaller version guess. it's a smaller um you know decidedly less capable uh robot dog but hey look at that it wants you it wants pets and it's if you don't give it it will break your leg um not really one thing about the built-in robot voice is that it doesn't seem like anyone at Unitree is a native English speaker. The robots, the robot dog's text-to-speech engine displays some really broken English in its responses, including the line, I will dance to pleasure you. <laughs> uh, okay, so that. if you're interested to know, um, Spot came out in 2016. Mm-hmm. The first Unitree was in 2017. Mm. Mm. Got it. Right. So, Innovator. Okay. Um, <clears throat> now, see, I totally understand the idea that it isn't the first that moves, but it also shouldn't be, oh, look, <laughs> let me wholesale copy the design of somebody else's product. Um, I just don't like it. Um, sure, do it better, but don't do it. It. <laughs> so the accompanying video, <clears throat> pardon me, accompanying video is a nonstop barrage of tricks, but it's not uh, really clear which versions of the dog are capable of performing them. Some versions of the dog can do jumps, flips, stretching, uh, shaking hands, sitting down, chasing you through the house and killing you. Oh, wait, no, no. I'm sorry. That's not what it is. Let me back up a little bit. <clears throat> Um, two-footed hopping, all sorts of two-footed hopping is what it says. It can not only go up and down steps on four legs, but it can also go up and down steps on two legs while doing a handstand. <laughs> you come out of the bedroom and this damn thing's at the end of the hallway. I mean, that's better than a real dog in terms of its capabilities. Yeah, well, it's not going to pee on your floor or chew up your slippers. Demand it, to go walk out in the snow or the hail or whatever. Yeah. This might be the artificial intelligence's version of uh, AI's best friend kind of a thing, right? You can virtually take it for walks in its code. It'll think that it's going for a walk, but it's really just sitting on its charging station. We are Borg. You will be walked resistance is futile uh, oddly enough i dig it i want it <laughs> i just wish that it it was a little more unique than yet another boston dynamics clone but hey like i said earlier the second in line can sometimes do the better product uh 
you know, Apple wasn't the innovator of the slab phone, but certainly knocked it out of the park and became the mainstay. So a lot of other companies are now looking at Apple's products, just like most companies are looking at Boston Dynamics robots. At least Boston Dynamics is the one that came out of the gate just screaming with robotics and people said, I like their designs. Let's do those. Yeah. Okay. So before I get too far into this, let me make sure that I throw this article into the VOD. Um, let's go on to the next article. And I'll throw this one into the VOD as well. There you go. <clears throat> yesterday's show notes are available in yesterday's VOD. So if you're interested in all of those here on Twitch, go and check them out, but you can always go and get these over at uh, YouTube and download them from wherever you catch pods. Cause it gets put everywhere nowadays. Just search for hometown and you'll find the podcast and YouTube and Twitch. Okay. Well, this next article is over in prime glass cause it has to do with photography. Um, because it's from a source that focuses on art and photography and um monuments to overlook sorry monuments to overlooked histories are coming to washington dc's national mall new public art show will bring alternative monuments by derek adams wendy redstar vanessa german and others to the busiest national park in the u.s so the art newspaper um is a fairly new source for uh, hometown again we only grabbed just that little snippet that they provide and um, we aggregate it into categories so that it's easier for Marawat to manage information overload. Um, the new public art, this is the deck statement. This little thing here is called the deck statement, apparently. Uh, new public art show will bring alternative monuments. It's a rena- uh, rendering of Vanessa German's Of Thee We Sing in Lincoln Memorial Plaza doesn't seem as busy as I remember. I think most people just aren't traveling to, (laughs) I don't know when this was taken, but it was other than 2023. It may have been during the pandemic because, um, a lot of the, uh, national monuments were really vacate vacated during that time. Gotcha. Uh, Claire Voon over at theartnewspaper.com put this article together and it says visitors who descend on the National Mall in Washington, D.C. later this summer will encounter several new artworks that engage with histories of the United States unacknowledged in the marbled monuments around them made by artists including Wendy Redstar, Vanessa German, and Derek Adams. The six contemporary installations are part of the Pulling Together uh, Art Exhibition curated by Philadelphia-based nonprofit Monument Lab, intended to raise questions about public money, historical records, and the role of civic spaces. You see That's anything? public memory. What did I say? Record? Public money. Oh, memory. Sorry, public mo- memory. See, that's why the AI exists, to keep me in check and keep me from making a an ass of myself. Too late. Anyway, um, this is a rendering. It says rendering of Paul Ramirez, Ramirez Jonas's let freedom ring. Huh? It doesn't look like a rendering, but yeah, it looks pretty good. Huh? I mean, when you look really hard, you can see certain things kind of 
meh, but um, they say um, a core inspiration for pulling together is the 1939 Easter concert by Marian Anderson on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial, a momentous occasion that drew a crowd of around 75,000. But to this date has no historical marker on the site. Anderson, a black classical singer, had been barred from performing at Constitution Hall because of her race. She instead sang outdoors before an integrated audience. I actually know about that um, because I read some history. Huh. That wasn't uh, in a bygone age. Uh, you hear about these things, but apparently not, not anymore. Um, so yeah, pretty cool. Yeah. I think we should draw attention as our history is being kind of changed in several states to make it appear as if everything was cool with the various people that were being, um, I don't know how to describe it other than abused, um, or oppressed, um, or outright sacrificed. So yeah, I, I think that, um, more attention and a more pragmatic approach to American history should be a, a, an holistic approach. You know, don't be shy of the things that we as a nation have done to the population of the U S and the world. And just now is the time where we say we won't let it happen again. Right. That's what we should do. We acknowledge it and, and say that we won't let it happen again because you can't go back in time and, and quote unquote, fix this and giving it a modern context as a solution to the, the, historical record is almost impossible in a realistic sense because the the complexity of society and time we can talk about that more in a, another article another time we take these little steps to talk about this stuff instead of spending all day on one particular topic but there are people that are focused on this particular message so follow the link, go through hometown over to the art newspaper, or you can do just do a search for the art newspaper in this article itself. Um, if you don't want to go through hometown, that's fine. Um, so go and check it out. It, it'll pay off. You'll be a little bit more aware of what really has happened in our history and not just what might've been fixed to certain books allowed by certain people. Um, yeah, let's keep going unless you want to add something to it. I was just going to say, if you're in the DC area, look for this out on the mall as well. Yep. Um, let's see. There's so much there. Anyway, we'll keep going. Um, the next article is over in the continuity report. John Wick prequel show called the continental sets release date on Peacock. Peacock announced the premiere date for Con the continental, a prequel to the blockbuster John Wick franchise at San Diego comic-con on Friday. The series explores the origin behind the John Wick universe's assassin hotel through the eyes of young Winston Scott. Um, as he's dragged into the hellscape of 1970s New York City. Uh, the amazing thing about this is when the original John Wick hit the 
uh, silver screen, right? Hit, hit the, the movies. Um, and the AI and I were watching it. I said, I am more interested in what set up the, the, the table, really the historical record of the table. Um, and I know the AI said, what were you interested in? Well, I thought the Continental was pretty fascinating, especially the, um, just kind of the, um, can't think of what the word is, like the analog um, elements. Yeah, the world building, the actual yes. application of it, right? Um, and that it wasn't all digital and that it was decidedly low tech, but had an extremely broad reach, almost instantaneous delivery of messaging. Um, and that right there is what I thought was amazing because the AI said, I'm more interested in the continental and son of a gun. If that's not what they're starting with. I mean, I must have insight into Hollywood. Yep. Well, you're an AI. I thought you were air gapped, but maybe you actually are going out beyond that. And, and now you're hiding your large language model from me. Um, that's fine. That's fine. I still have a, a bead on the Terminator body though. So I can still stop that. I know. I mean, what? that combined with lessons from John Wick should be a good combination. Exactly. I'm sleeping with one eye open. Don't worry, everybody. I'll give everybody a PSA when I lose control of the AI. The AI. So uh, this article is over at Variety.com by Angelique, right? Angelique Jackson. Um, I'm just really interested in the world building of the table because you don't really know all of that. And I suppose we're going to find out about that. And then at the same time, we're going to find out about the continental and why these certain locations are safe zones, hallowed ground, literally when a church may not be, but the continental is right. Um, pretty, pretty amazing stuff. So the series explores the origin behind the John Wick universe's assassin hotel through the eyes of young Winston Scott, um, as he's dragged into the hellscape of 1970s New York City to face a past he thought he'd left behind, according to the logline. It's a three-part event that'll de debut on Friday, September 22nd, followed by part two airing September 29th and part three on October 6th. John Wick fans oh, assembled- that's a short series. Well, I think that they're just testing the waters um, because there is a tremendous amount of world building in the, you know, there's characters within characters. All they have to do is draw them out. Um, and it, it could be similar to a Marvel DC cinematic universe. If they do it right, if they grow it right. Um, the reason why DC and the MCU and all of that can persist is because it has 50 years of progress you know in comic development um john wick is somebody woke up one day and wrote john wick <laughs> so it says uh, members of the series cast which also includes uh michelle prada ben robson hubert pont de jour um who i don't i'm not familiar with uh, many of these people 
um, and several I'm not others. By actor name, but I bet we are by character. Yeah, and several others had been set to attend, but um, in the wake of the WGA and SAG after strikes, uh, the the fact that they're not allowed to promote um, events means that they didn't show up. So uh, Comic Con. As far as I know, Comic-Con came precariously close to shuttering a lot of its events. Um, but some people actually just showed up to do some discussion and stuff like that, but not necessarily things that are decidedly promotion. So the spinoff builds on the lore of the Keanu Reeves-led film franchise, which hit a high point with John Wick 4, earning more than $426 million in the box office. Um, pretty cool. You excited to see it? Oh, absolutely. I think it'll be great. Yeah, I think it'll be fun too. Let's keep going. Um, so uh, the town of Bernie in California is under a boil water notice due to E. coli in the water supply for the 10th Street Day. The title of the article is actually over in hometown daily. Um, town's residents told to boil water for 10th Street Day due to E. coli outbreak. This is a short article. Um, just find it fascinating that we're getting E. coli outbreaks. Um, the notice began on July uh, 12th. Nadine El Bawab is the um, author of this article. Uh, the district said that it, it's using chlorine to disinfect the water system and will be monitoring for chlorine residuals. Um, and it had begun flushing their system um, with chlorine to get rid of the E. coli and total coliform, uh, another form of bacteria over two different days, trying to get rid of this stuff. Um, I just don't know how this happens anymore. Um, considering the state, I, I suppose maybe their system broke down or something like that, but it doesn't say what it was that caused it. Right. They just well, they may know. not know. Yeah. So if you're in the area, uh, start boiling your water or find bottled water. Just a little PSA. I also wonder what their water source is. Um, mm. Because that may impact it too. Gotcha. Oh, it's rain and snow. So depending on... Oh, and they've had flooding in California. So I wonder if it's bringing in other materials. Just runoff. Yeah, maybe, but it's supposed to be processed before it gets into the water system, the water supply, um, because it's actually tap water. So it's not wells, it's tap water. Huh? Yes. Here, let me do this one again. We're going to try We're going to go on to the next article. Now these little transitions are uh, so I know where to do a segment if you're not familiar with the show. Um, this next article is over in the hometown daily channel. Uh, skeleton toothpaste mineral is as effective as fluoride. So skeleton toothpaste mineral. Mm -mm -mm. Uh, the compound was first used by NASA to replace lost minerals in the teeth and bones of astronauts. And now it's going to get turned into a toothpaste. Pandora Dewan is the author of this article over at newsweek.com. Apparently it's been around for a while and actually used previously to replace fluoride um, because it's 
Although fluoride has been, the art, like the article says, studied extensively and considered safe and effective to protect teeth, too much of it actually can cause problems in immunocompromised and in children. Um, and so it says here in the article as well, excessive fluoride exposure can cause dental fluorosis, a condition that causes changes in the appearance and tooth enamel. Um, some studies have raised tentative concerns about the effects of fluoride exposure on the developing human brain. Um, but what they're talking about is something called uh, hydroxyapatite. The active ingredient hydroxyapatite is inspired by the natural tooth enamel crystallites, uh, Pazinski or Pazinska said. In their study, they found that hydroxyapatite was as effective as fluoride regarding, it says caries prevention, and caries is another term used for cavities. Um, hydroxyapatite is a calcium-based mineral found in human teeth and bones. It also can be made in a lab to be used as an oral care product like toothpaste and mouthwash. But it has a greater affinity because it's actually more akin to your natural uh, tooth construction. I don't think I put the last article in this either. Doggone it. I'm sorry. <clears throat> Um, so it can actually go deeper into your teeth um, and bond um, more holistically. It makes for a, a better solution to try and uh, shore up against caries or cavities. Um, the article is pretty cool and goes into greater detail, of course. At the end of the 18 months, there appeared to be no statistical difference. Um, in the efficacy of the two toothpaste, they both worked equally well. Well, with fine tuning, they may be able to make this hydroxyapatite solution even better um, because it doesn't have any long-term issue, supposedly. Oh, they even talk about it. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, unlike fluorides, uh, hydroxyapatite is also characterized by its biocompatibility, and it is safe um, in case of accidental ingestion. Too much fluoride can cause problems. Um, but most people would never ingest enough fluoride to be an issue, but if you're immunocompromised or you are a child, it's actually somewhat frowned upon, depending on who you are as a person and a doctor and whatnot. Um, so pretty neat. We'll keep an eye on it. I always think that it's funny that in the 21st century, we have no solution for cavities other than brushing your teeth and no solution for hair loss other than implants, which are, I mean, to stop cavities, you basically drill and pack it with something. And uh, to re replace lost hair, you have to get plugs because we don't, yeah, it, it's all kind of, so 21st century on the way to we're Mars. Not quite advanced yet. <laughs> I'm sorry. I said, we're not quite advanced yet. Yeah. Come on, Star Trek, strange new worlds. Yeah. Fix this. <laughs> All right. Just need gene modification so that, um, cavities and, and, uh, hair starts growing back. Cavities are wiped out and, and hair starts growing back. All right, let's keep going.
Um, this is uh, an interesting one and, and why I named uh, today's show Informed Content. Um, and I agree. I don't quite understand. First off, I don't understand how um, streaming could be brought about. Okay. I don't understand how a contract can limit the people that are signing the contract. Um, but still be the firewall that keeps the people from getting earnings when the industry shifts to streaming. You see what I'm saying? So they create a movie, they put it on the big screen. The contract is written such that it only gives them money for what's being shown on the big screen, but then the industry shifts to streaming, which is the local equivalent of the big screen. But then they point at the contracts and say, well, your contract says the big screen, not this screen. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense to me. So I really don't understand it. And, and then, and, and that's the truth. That's what's going on there. The people that are part of SAG after and the writers guild, um, are both stymied by the fact that pe that the organizations are switching to streaming, but they've taken the works that were designed to be on TV or radio or whatever. And now that it's streaming because it's not categorized in the, the profit sharing exercise, it doesn't say streaming include, you know, blah, blah, blah includes this. And this is what your wage based on the streaming portion is going to be. It's excised completely from the discussion. Yeah. And I, we kind of have this situation too, where because it hasn't been stipulated in some way, it's so nebulous that the only resolution is litigation. Right. And so the, the WGA and the, um, and SAG-AFTRA are doing the non-litigation societal correcting the wrong and it's caused us. I mean, it's called a strike. So because SAG-AFTRA can't take somebody to court because it's a mass of organizations that are all paying these massive people in their own disparate ways, you have to strike, but I don't get it because the organizations have already created a way of compensating these people where they're benefiting from it because it hasn't been stipulated. So they're literally benefiting from the fact that they were ignorant of not they, as in the writers and the actors, but the entire industry was ignorant of the potential of streaming and now they're exploiting it because it hasn't been enumerated. I don't know how many other ways I can say this, um, for it to make a, a more, um, concise point, you know, because it really comes down to this is so dishonest. Uh, I'm rather disgusted with the industry. Every one of these people, go ahead. I was going to say, I could understand if there was an issue about 
how it was calculated because it's not the same um, medium exactly. But that's not the issue. It's like it's all or none. And that seems completely disingenuous in terms of what was intended when they put movies out, etc. Yeah, they're saying there there are people that are posting checks where they're getting like 10 cents because they're saying that the streaming portion of it was only valued at this amount. Well, if you're making money off of the streaming portion of it, are you telling me that the streaming portion is so inconsequential to the overall income generation that it really is only 10 cents? which means that everybody is consuming this stuff somewhere else. And if that's true, then where's my money? Because it's being viewed somewhere else because it was a big hit. Hell no, it's, it's all online. Um, sorry, I don't know if you can hear that noise in the background, but anyway, so uh, AMPTP says it agreed to SAG after's demand for informed consent on AI use. So we hadn't even gotten to the actual article. Um, so Gene Mad- uh, Mattias, I think is their name, Mattias, um, or Mattis, wrote this article for Variety.com. Um, oh, look, no shade. And um, that's right. That was featured yesterday. Yeah. The. The article says the Alliance for Motion Picture and Television Producers also argue that it has accepted the union's demand for informed consent on the use of artificial intelligence, which has become one of the major issues in the week old strike. Duncan Crabtree Ireland, the union's top negotiator, um, alleged on July 13th that the studios want to scan background actors and replicate their likenesses, uh, quote, for the rest of eternity, end quote, without consent. AMPTP has adamantly said that is false and that its proposal includes both consent and compensation. So SAG-AFTRA is not trying to ban AI outright as some high profile members stand to profit from licensing their likeness rights, but the union is insisting that performers must give informed consent and that the right to use AI on additional projects must be separately bargained. All of this, I agree. I don't even understand how it could possibly have come to fruition without that informed consent. Um, In fact, just like everything copyright, they should have the right to, to retract it. If the material is being used for something outside what was um, written in the specific use of the contract in the contract, what that specific use is, um, they should be able to just flat out file a document that says you did not have the rights to do this. And it's almost an automatic, like a DMCA takedown. Um, nobody should be able to use your likeness without your consent. Um, when it comes to, uh, something like, um, production of a movie or videos or something like that. Um, yeah, uh, it's just amazing that somebody is trying to pull that. So it says that's not real consent. This is fictional consent because they said Crabtree Ireland uh, has said that the studio's position is unacceptable because it would allow background actors to sign away their likeness rights 
on future projects at the time of initial employment uh, when they would not know how their image would be used and would not have uh, a meaningful opportunity to refuse. Um, uh, but really that comes with publicity the, the moment that somebody uses a likeness and it's outside the scope of the contract, this is going to blow up again in their face. Um, well, and sag after a right back in this again. Right. Exactly. Like we'll be in round two of the strikes. Yeah. So it says here, uh, the streamers have refused to release viewership data. So the union is proposing to assess value based on estimates from a third party data uh, company called parrot analytics. This is what I was talking about, um, earlier, um, because everything is switching to streaming, but it's a black box for all of the people that should be benefiting from all of this consumption online. Um, but the streamers are refusing to release this viewership data. Um, so you're going to go in with an educated guess, and it could actually be dramatically less because of uh, the various channels by which somebody can consume. I would assume that Parrot Analytics has a bead on it, but the union is proposing that performers share in the rewards of a successful show without bearing any of the risk. The studio group stated the union proposes uh, to share in success, but not in failure. And that is not sharing. And, but that's not what, <laughs> that's not how it works. The, the people that are doing the work, they don't suffer from anything. They get compensated for doing a job and the job includes rights to compensation as agreed upon. They shouldn't bear any risk if the marketing department from the studio shits the bed. There's so many things outside of the actor's control that would diminish the value of a product that's being streamed that why should the actors, background actors and other people who would get compensation normally have to bear the burden of the risk if they do their job and it's in the can and then it's shipped, they did their freaking job. Now it's all up to the studio to deliver based on marketing and creating the want. I mean, this is kind of insane. They're, they're trying to make it so that everybody suffers, but that risk is borne by you, not the actors. The actors risk is, well, you made me act in a way because you, you know, didn't compensate writers, hence the reason they're on strike, um, enough to write a reputable script, a good script. You know, you hired me because you think that my acting or performance is good enough for the job. I did it. You agreed because the director didn't keep on pounding on me to do it better or do it differently. You know, if everybody agrees that the job was done, why should I bear any additional risk due to your under your uh, underperformance? And that's just an asinine take bad, bad, bad take. You know, if I hire somebody to do some work and I don't capitalize on the work, I don't go back to the person that did the work and say, Hey, 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 I spent $25,000 on this project after paying you $5,000. 
and I didn't get even $30,000 back. So I want you to pay me 12,000 because that's how that's half of what I lost. So you get to bear that burden. Just an asinine take, right? Right. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. So you include the negotiation in the, in the job, right? You say, look, I'm the one that's footing the bill for this entire project. I'm paying you X. If you want to do it for why, what is the why? How much do you want? And maybe I'll agree to it. Oh, well, I want this amount and a little bit of the residuals. Okay. I'm cool with it. Well, that's your freaking contract. And that's what you agree to. <laughs> the success is my burden. All you are is an employee doing the task. You shouldn't be bearing any additional risk on my you don't go to an, I'll say it again in another way. You don't go to an employee and say, Hey, the company did really bad. Um, and so, you know, that $150,000 that we pay you, well, we're only going to pay you a hundred thousand dollars. We know that your salary, regardless of how much extra work you put in is only 150, but we did really bad. So we're only going to pay you a hundred thousand dollars. Right? I mean, how much more absurdity can I frame this in? Believe me. Uh, I think you've... Uh, <laughs> I've hit every cylinder. I think you've huh? done it. <laughs> <laughs> so they say here, the three core issues are AI, streaming revenue uh, sharing, and increases in minimums, all of which I agree because people aren't making enough money in uh, any location in California, um, let alone in these particular areas like LA, San Francisco, San Diego. Um, yeah, it's, it's not, they've basically taken a, th taken a 30% pay cut, uh, because of the cost of living increases in these regions. Um, so the AMP, uh, TP is offering 5%, 4%, 3.5%, which it says is historic by any measure, which matches the DGA terms. Um, DGA is a smaller pool. I don't know. I, uh, I think these people are making and the DGA, the director's guild of America is making more per director than the gamut of SAG after members. Um, so I think it's not a good comparison. Um, if anything, it'll just force people who could be good writers out of the industry. Uh, because they can't afford to live in that area. And uh, I've had people go, well, then they have to go and move somewhere else. Well, then the job opportunity isn't there. And if you're good, but people don't know it because there's not as many opportunities to be seen, um, it takes time to get groomed into a position, right? To ingratiate yourself into the sector. Somebody could be stellar. They just haven't been discovered yet. Countless people on Twitch are like that. Countless people on YouTube are like that. Countless people on TikTok are like that. Yet the ones that are actually, you know, hitting it out of the park and going viral are the ones that are responding like an NPC on a freaking live stream. Ugh. Hey, not yucking their yum just calling out the fact that while it's hard work to sit there for hours doing the same damn bit, I think that, you know, people are entertained by 
a whole range of things. All right, let's keep going. Uh, the next article is over in hometown daily, the unofficial timeline of how Burger Kings have it your way offer ended up with a guy ordering a $290, 100 patty burger in Bangkok. Never thought I'd say the phrase burger in Bangkok, but there you have it. Have you read this or seen anything about this? Sounds... Well, actually, I don't know how that stands for price. Like, it seems like that might be reasonable, but I guess you're not getting any volume discount. Yeah, $2.90. Right? Uh, the fast food marketing arms race has taken an, uh, an increasingly bizarre turns. Burger King Thailand has released a 100 patty burger that costs nearly $300. The burger is the natural conclusion of over 50 years of trying to realize the slogan, have it your way. See, when I say have it your way, it's usually in regards to somebody's poor decision making. Well, I want to do it this way. Have it your way. (laughs) Do you think that was behind the slogan? Yeah, I think so. Uh, Burger King has been practically marinated in the spirit of competition from day one um kai zhang teo is the teo i think it's teo um wrote this article for businessinsider.com if you know how to pronounce it phonetically throw it in chat please that'd be awesome um the burger is the natural conclusion of over 50 years of trying to realize the slogan have it your way uh let's see the brand came into the world just a year before mcdonald's the company that would become its Uh, arch nemesis Um, initially Burger King's have it your way slogan was a fun nod to its main selling point compared to rival McDonald's Burger King after all offered the freedom to customize your Whopper in any number of ways Uh, but as the fast food scene had become more cluttered and more competitive brands have been pulling out all of the stops to stand out and escalating fast food arms race hey Hey, it's the precursor to the uh, fast food wars. The fast food wars, and we already know, due to Demolition Man, who wins the fast food wars? Taco Bell. Taco Bell. Um, so uh, an old slogan is no longer enough, which is how 69 years after Burger King was founded, we find ourselves staring at a monstrous 100 patty burger straight in the face. There's probably a picture. So, um, let me back up a bit there. I need to grab that title and or that article and throw it into the chat. There you go. You can go and check it out. <clears throat> there is a whole uh, list here in 2009. Burger King introduces the option to have a burger made it, uh, made of your friends. What have a burger made of your friends through the Whopper sacrifice an app that allows you to sacrifice or delete. 10 Facebook friends for a free Whopper. Each sacrifice appears in your activity feed. So everyone knows who you deleted for a Whopper. (laughs) That's actually pretty pretty funny. That's pretty funny. Um, Let's see. There's a bunch of others, but anyway, uh, 290 bucks for a 100 patty. That's just so gluttonous, right? I mean, that's great if you're going to serve it to 100 people, but. Yeah, exactly. Here's a patty and a piece of cheese. (laughs) 
it, right, it's... yeah, you don't get the bun because it. <laughs> yeah. I'm assuming it's not a hundred burgers with buns. Yeah, that I would probably pay three hundred bucks for, and then just start handing them out to people. Here, have a burger. Here, have a burger. But it just seems like it's going to be that right there, right? Like nothing but cheese, one big spackle-like blob. You know, I saw something about that, and I don't remember which country it was in, but it was basically a burger with no burger, and it was just multiple slices of cheese in a bun. It might have been that one right there. Yeah, it may have been. It's oh, just 20 it slices. It is. Sorry, cheese. the picture looked like it had meat and cheese. I couldn't tell. Yeah. 17 bucks for a Burger King to cre recreate its viral real cheese burger. It's made with 20 slices of cheese, one bun, and no meat. Mm-mm-mm. And a hospital trip is extra. Uh, the next article is over in Hometown Daily. Beetlejuice 2 filming set in Vermont is haunted by souvenir seekers. The hunters are haunting the Beetlejuice 2 movie set in Vermont. It's over at abcnews.go.com. Uh, it's from the Associated Press, so there's no person, but the deck statement says souvenir hunt hunters are haunting the Beetlejuice 2 movie set. Um, if you don't know about it, Beetlejuice 2 um, is either now done um, or um, about to be done. Uh, state police are investigating two thefts, one of the a large lamppost topped with a distinctive pumpkin decoration and the other a 150 pound abstract art piece taken from the vicinity of a ceremony, uh, cemetery, sorry. Um, someone bundled up the lamppost, covered it with tarp and fled at a high rate of speed in a pickup on July 14th, while the theft near the cemetery took place several days later. The sequel to the 1988 movie, oof, 1988. Uh, movie is filming in East Corinth near the New Hampshire border. Tim Bur Burton a horror comedy about a home haunted by ghosts played by Gina Davis and Alec Baldwin, also starring Winona Ryder, also was filmed in East Corinth. For the new movie, Michael Keaton is reprising the role as the bio-exorcist Beetlejuice. I wonder if he's going to have the tiny little head. Jenna Ortega is going to be in there, but probably not as Wednesday. Right. Unless they're doing a crossover promotion. You know, because if y'all haven't seen Beetlejuice, go watch it. Um, it's actually kind of funny. And um, not kind of funny. It is funny. It's a fun watch. No brainer. You just sit there and enjoy. But the end is kind of funny because his head gets shrunk. Do you think they'll start out with that? Yes. If they make, if they do start out with that, him reversing it, I'm going to be amazed and we'll definitely have to kick off um, continuity report with that. All right, let's keep on trucking through the news, folks. We are more than halfway there. Halfway there. I've probably missed some articles, so you'll have to pick up the um, show notes later. Um, or just go to exclamation point vote here on the stream. Let me do it for you. Vote and uh, follow that URL and you'll get all of the articles straight from there. Um, this is actually a time limited thing, so you better get going. Um, Elder Scrolls is free on Epic. 
It's over in the Warcrafters channel, but the Elder Scrolls Online is free on EGS until uh, July 27th, so you got just under a week to pick it up alongside the pretty great puzzler Murder by Numbers. Maybe also make a mental note to check back at the same time next week when the freebies include a true RTS royalty in the form of Homeworld Remastered Collection and the stylish FPS Severed Steel, which the author of the article hasn't played. Um, Homeworld is awesome. You'll like it if you're interested in that kind of stuff. Uh, the Elder Scrolls Online uh, being free is only time limited, so you'll get to you'll get a taste of it and then you know, kind of like the drugs, you'll right? You'll have it just long enough and then you'll be required to buy it. That's right. Well, the online, you'll get the game for free, um, but there's all kinds of extras, uh, downloadable content um, that ranges in price from $15 all the way up to $80. Um, and to get into the newer regions, you'll have to pay for those DLCs. Um, maybe they'll go on sale, but, uh, you'll, as far as I know, whatever is on Epic isn't on Steam. And so if you get into the ecosystem of Epic for Elder Scrolls, you'll have to buy it there and only there because it won't transfer over to Steam. As far as I know, um, if anybody tells me different, then I'll talk about it. Um, this article is over at PCGamer.com by Rich Standen. And um, uh, that's the nuts and bolts of the article. Uh, but there is always more that you can suss out from it. Uh, if you follow the link, go check it out. Let's keep on going. Um, car companies think fake vroom vroom sounds will make you want an electric car. This has actually been something that's been... Uh, in development for several years um, from Tesla to whoever else. I think the first one to like simulate uh, those sounds was like a Ford probe or something like that. I, I can't remember really, um, but I seem to recall it being a, an electric. Wasn't one of the issues with electric vehicles is that they were too quiet. So Correct. I, I feel like we featured something along those lines. Yeah, it must have been late last year that we highlighted this um, where they're simulating. It was like a BMW or something like that, that where they're simulating a, a more powerful car um, as it's perceived, even though the electric car has more torque off the start and is faster to 60 and all that. Um, well, car companies think fake vroom vroom sounds will make your... Uh, make you want an electric car. The Hyundai Ionic 5N offers three sound themes and the simulated feel of gear shifts. Makes me want the Ionic more and more and more. Um, I mean, if it sounds like vroom vroom, I say go for it. Yes, as you go down the road, it goes vroom 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 vroom. <laughs> Not constantly. No, it's constant vroom vroom vroom. That's not a winning point. <laughs> Tim Levin over at BusinessInsider.com put this article together. Uh, I really do like the styling of the Ionic Five. Um, yeah, so it says electric cars are inherently quiet. It's kind of like the notion news for 956. Hyundai and Dodge have both unveiled EVs that 
blast fake noises uh, out of the exhaust noises outside the car. Um, it's usually to let it's so that you notify people that you exist because somebody might step off the curb trying to cross the road and because they don't hear you and you're coming from behind them, they don't see you. So, you know, um, a recent video introducing the world to the, to Hyundai's, uh, latest performance car shows the new Ionic 5N tearing around a racetrack and through city streets all while vroom, 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 and loud enough to wake the entire neighborhood. Typical car ad stuff. Uh, the clip wouldn't be all that strange if the Ionic 5N had an engine, um, but it doesn't. It have, has motors. Um, so I don't, oh man. The videos that are on the side of the businessinsider.com site are sometimes unsettling, um, at least to me. I, I deal with it, but um, anyway, uh, Hyundai's sporting new SUV is electric, so it's inherently quiet. Um, yeah. I would play it, but I always get DMCA notices. So, um, I, I don't play that. Uh, well, I can play it with no sound, but then it defeats the purpose. Right, of this. but then we can't get the room room. You know what? I'll give it a shot. A little bit. Come on, come on. Stars. For the love of driving. I'll turn it up really loud. Introducing Ionic 5N. Oh. <laughs> Okay, so it makes it sound like it's like a Formula One or NASCAR vehicle, <laughs> but it's like going 65. Um, anyway, yeah, I guess the N is a uh, code for noisy. All right, that stunned silence is because there's really nothing else you can say about this. I would prefer that it just say vroom, 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 vroom all the time. <laughs> <laughs> How about para illegal? Paralegal accused of embezzling over $1.5 million from law firm clients. That's right. Paralegal has not read the ethics chapter of the law firm. A paralegal has been charged with wire fraud for allegedly embezzling more than $1.5 million from clients of a law firm in Hickory, North Carolina. Who okay, the hell attempts second. to do so this? So they have super accounting at law firms. Yeah. So what was going on here? Yeah, there's an update apparently. Um, so over at the abajournal.com, Deborah Kasson's wise put this article together. It has an update right at the very top, but we'll jump down a little bit. Um, prosecutors allege the 54-year-old Jennifer Elaine Rourke of Hickory, North Carolina, transferred the money into accounts that she controlled while working at a firm from 2007 to 2021, according to a July 19th press release. That's a tremendous amount of time to be doing this. That's actually why this was submitted, because if this had been for a week or something, it wouldn't be that compelling. But 
that means that nobody was looking at any records during this time unless she had some complex way of altering records or something. So two websites is where this has been aggregated from for ABA journal. Um, Law 360 and Hickory record have coverage. Work also known as Jennifer Claveria is accused of embezzling the money by making hundreds of wire transfers from clients trusts managed by the firm, which was not named in the press release uh, or the July 18th indictment, which is always quite interesting. Um, but I guess the the claim the claim there would be well it wasn't our fault it wasn't the firm's actions it was an individual within it but anybody that's been doing this for 14 years to siphon off 1.5 million there's something inherently wrong with the, the the firm's processing of funds and protections of the assets so why did it take 14 years anyway Rosenblum declined. I mean, that makes you think that more than one person is involved, but. Yeah. Um, uh, Rourke is represented. That's the person that is being accused of the wire fraud embezzlement. Um, well, embezzlement by wire fraud. And um, so the, the attorney that's representing them did not. Uh, declined to comment in an email uh, to the ABA journal and uh, at least this attorney knows not to say anything let's keep on going one more article for the day folks this one will be quick um apple employee misses out on ten thousand dollar bug bounty from google an apple employee found an incredibly small bug in chrome and didn't take long to report it but still google says he or she was too late they won't pay up <clears throat> William Gallagher over at appleinsider.com put this article together. They say Apple is mean with its bug bounty rewards programs. Um, during a capture the flag or CTF hacking contest in March, an Apple employee spotted a previously unknown bug in Google Chrome. According to TechCrunch, he or she um, then followed a procedure to test and report it. Took two weeks working on it full time to uh, root cause, write the exploit proof of concept, and write the uh, write up the issue such that it can be fixed, wrote a TechCrunch forum member claiming to be the original discoverer. It was reported on June 5th uh, through my company, he or she continued. Yes, it was late. There are multiple reasons for that. I first had to find the person responsible. The report had to be signed off by people, and then the person responsible was out of office. Going by the name Galileo, the former commenter, forum commenter, added that there wasn't any real urgency. I don't understand why there would be a time frame for reporting a bug in a bug bounty program. Yeah, wouldn't they want those reports to come in at any point unless they had funding set aside? Uh, like, was it tied to a certain period? I don't know. doesn't make it any shouldn't sense. even matter. Uh, but before the Apple employee reported the bug, someone else did. Oh, oh. Oh. That okay. unnamed person made it clear to Google that they did not find the bug, but they were at the CTF contest and wanted to be sure it was reported. <laughs> so it's first across it's first across the, the the line yeah 
The person was awarded $10,000 by Google, despite protesting that they did not discover it. In Google's bug report, the company now notes that we have been made aware uh, that there have been some disagreements with how this was presented to us. Well, yeah, that other person should not have done anything or at least coordinated with the actual finder. Um, okay, well, then or that other person... submitted it in the other person's name or something. Yeah, perhaps... See, but then... Did they actually report it in a profound enough way that they could fix it? Or did the person from Apple just write way too much and not just report the bug and say how it can be replicated? Because I don't think you have to write how to fix it. You just have to report that you found a bug and how to replicate it. Uh, but I don't do bug bounties. Um, and, uh, different companies have different requirements. So I'll have to look at uh, Google's uh, bug bounty program and see what's up there. So it says, while this particular bug was reported, uh, reportedly mild in the extreme overall in 2022, Google Chrome was found to be the browser most vulnerable to security issues. Oh, you don't say. That's okay. Um, so basically, if you find a bug, report it quick because if it's kind of like a patent you know if you talk to somebody about it and they do something with it then guess what mm, yeah it's not going to work they're going to get that patent um and you get to litigate um and what's going to end up happening is the patent gets invalidated because they're not the actual inventor and um yeah unless they can show that they were then you're really up a creek anyway it's all about litigation, folks. Okay, well, that's it's it. It's all about timing. Timing, timing. Okay, not litigation. I'm sorry. Sometimes I get those answers all wrong. Did you want to add anything to that article, or are you all set? No, I don't have anything else. Gotcha. Okay, well, wow. Booz Allen to pay $377 million to resolve allegations related to false claims? Yes, what? that one's been submitted already uh, for tomorrow. Wow, interesting. Okay, so let's refresh the screen and we get a whole bunch of new articles and we scroll through them briefly um, to see if there is anything that we want to include right away. You can always do the same thing and submit articles. Um, send a, a link, either uh, a DM through uh, Twitch here or over on YouTube. You can send an email to mail or mail mayor at hometown.com i get those wherever i am in the meantime if you find an article that's already aggregated into hometown you can also do the same thing just get in touch i am working on a solution that will allow you to submit them um, quickly within hometown.com and um, also working on it so that you can submit links through twitch chat that'll be interesting okay well anyway there you all go folks i always like it when a creator launches a new app that's really you have to go and look at both of them i i actually purchased one app not this one i purchased an app from somebody um and then they stopped making that app and they created a, another app. 
Well, identical. But you have to buy the second app, right? Yeah, it was identical though. Um, and they give you a deal to switch over to the new one. Thought that was really cool. Um, at any rate, that's it for today, folks. Really appreciate it if you're hanging out in chat. I don't know how many people are in chat. Um, my my voice is getting scratchy. Pardon me once. Like almost every day. The air is dry in hometown. It's all it's because we're stuck in the wires of uh, the world, you know, and uh, of the internet. <laughs> yeah, and so and it's a very dry electron heat. All right, folks, that's it. We're all set. Uh, I am Mayor Watch. That is hometown.com. Well, wait, wait, wait. That is hometown.com up there. And up there above me is the AI that keeps me in check. Thanks for hanging out. You want to say bye, oh, great AI. Good night, hometown citizens. We will see you tomorrow at 9 p.m. Eastern for the hometown daily and probably earlier for other streaming. Yeah, I think I'm going to be playing Tectonica again. It's a lot of fun, but early access. Sorry for the dead air. I'll see you in a little bit. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.